The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. This is Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Our host is Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And Percy, our topic, no surprise to you, is prayer makes a difference. And that is not a surprise to me, my friend. As we know, prayer is a powerful tool that is utilized by many and certainly under stressful circumstances. And we're going to hear an individual who talks about how she utilized prayer to help her work through her challenges. Yeah, a very young cancer patient will join you in conversation in just a moment. But open with a word of scripture, if you would. Our spiritual nugget, my friend, is found in 1 John, the fifth chapter. And I'm going to read verses 13, 14, and 15, and it reads as follows. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Talking about prayer, talking about communicating to God and communicating with God and having a confidence that God hears us when we pray. Prayer does make a difference. You'll hear that throughout the program here today because we are convinced of it. Well, Percy, we want to offer listeners today a resource called Seven Things You Should Know About Cancer. Now, you put this together. Why Why do this? What What's helpful here? Well, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that typically people do not and are not prepared to talk about cancer or have a cancer conversation. So we thought it would be a nice resource to put together, again, not exhaustively, seven key things that anyone who is dealing with the subject Uh, or conversation of cancer should be aware of and know and understand. And so we compiled seven key principles, again, not exhaustively, that everyone should be aware of and know about concerning the subject of cancer. It's available right now for download at healthhopeandinspiration.com. It, again, it's called Seven Things You Should Know About Cancer. Reverend Percy McCrae put this together. Recognize the importance of being informed and prepared to effectively help cancer patients. So download it right now at healthhopeandinspiration.com. And just before we meet today's guest, if you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America, where they treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling the phone number at the top of our homepage. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, let's meet a very inspiring guest today on the program. Here now is Percy. Well, with me today is Jax Duran, who is a gynecological cancer patient, still currently treating at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America at Midwestern Regional Medical Center in Zion, Illinois. And it's so good to have you on the show today. Thank you for being with us. No, thank you for having me. 
you're a cancer patient. You're still treating for cancer, and you're looking well and doing well from what I understand. Uh, we talk to a faith-based audience uh, weekly about cancer, health, and wellness, and specifically about faith and spirituality and how that impacts and has helped them. Before we go into that, let's talk a little bit about uh, how you got started down this path. You're a young woman. Um, let's talk about the day or the time when you were told that you had cancer and that process and what was going on in your life. Well, they've been monitoring um, what I have for a year now because there was a, look, a few complications that um, they had to monitor my blood work. So okay. it wasn't until this year when the doctor called me into the office, I already knew I was going to receive bad news. So I was praying and the whole ride over there, I just prayed to God that he gave me the peace and the strength to deal with what lied ahead and for it to be his will and for his glory. So that's helped me a lot through all of this. Um, I haven't had a moment that I haven't felt the peace and the strength to deal, to be able to handle what lied ahead of me. Even initially being told that you had cancer. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that I, I didn't have my moments. Like, I broke down in tears, okay. but within seconds, I the verse came to mind, be still and know that I'm God. Okay. So you, you receive a diagnosis, and obviously you start uh, a process of treatment, mm -hmm. uh, and you're in the midst of that treatment process as we speak right now. How did you, or when did you actually share with family and friends that you had cancer? Let's talk about that day. Uh, that day, I actually went to work right after, and I told my aunt, when I got out the office, I called my aunt and I cried with her because then she got emotional on the phone so then I got emotional okay sure <laughs> so I worked the rest of the day and I get off at nine so my aunt told me that she would come home with me and be with me when I told my mom because my mom has gone through her medical issues as well so okay. I knew it was going to be a little bit more difficult when I told her the news mm -hmm. so that's when I told the rest of my family because my mom my dad my grandmother my brother was also there so so your, your whole family basically yeah and how did they react to hearing that? You know, at that time, may I ask you how old you were at the time when you were diagnosed? 23, because so, I was diagnosed this year. Okay, so very young. Yes. And so, again, I would imagine you're not thinking or considering at all at 23 that you're going to have cancer. No. That, 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 so you're, not you're, a thought in my mind. Yeah, so how does your family react to hearing They hear broke that? down, but through the strength that they saw in me, they, they were able to deal with it. I mean, my mom was definitely impacted because she had gone through her battle. So yep. she broke down in tears and then I started crying. But throughout that night, she saw the strength that I, that God was giving me. And I told her the prayer that I had had in the morning before I got diagnosed and she was calm. So you, you have the conversation with your family. You, you go through that process of absorbing that as i often say the i call it marination you had to let that marinate a little bit you got to sit and process embrace absorb yeah. you share with your family they do the same you get the reaction and response you have to start doing treatment at some point so you start down the path of treatment um i'm assuming maybe chemotherapy radiation chemo okay so chemotherapy um how has that process been for you it's been up and down the first week. It was more difficult because with the pre-meds, even though they had given me the pre-meds, mm -hmm. I got the nausea hit me hard. So once nausea starts, it's kind of hard to stop it. But for the future treatments, I was actually pretty okay. That first week, like I said, since I had gotten sick, I was 
that weekend I kind of felt in a little a little depression because I was focusing on how symptomatic I was feeling. Okay. But my mom in the past, she told me that we each have our own cross to carry and die on every day. Hers happened when she told me it was her health. Now I was in the position and I was dealing with my health. The health, my cross was my health. Okay. And one of my friends, when I had, I had mentioned that to him and that weekend he reminded me of that. And then he reminded me that Jesus didn't, he didn't carry the cross alone. And I wasn't carrying my cross alone. I had my family, my friends, and my family in Christ to help me through that. Okay, so let's talk about the support. Uh, Family, friends, family in Christ, um, church congregation, community. Okay, Uh, how important was that and has that been being surrounded by individuals who are, in your, using your phraseology, helping you carry your cross? It's been extremely helpful because it's reminded me that I'm not alone, that no matter how hard the situation may be, I have someone to help me through it. And so with that, and again, we talk a lot on the show here about cancer being a community disease. And when I use that phraseology, I I simply mean that you as the particular individual who has been diagnosed with cancer, you're not the only person impacted by that family, friends, those who know you, who Mm -hmm. love you. There's an impact. Yes. And so, and depending on how individuals respond, they rally around you, or some cases they flee, they stop talking with you. How has this experience with that external group, family, friends, church family, what specifically has happened in some of those relationships? They've actually, it's brought everybody closer to me. I have a lot of people praying for me, a lot of people that I don't even know praying for me in different countries, states. Really? Yeah. And how is that information getting to people in different countries and different states? I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people that I go to church with, their families, they, obviously, everybody branches out. So okay. they're telling, they're sharing the news with their families to have prayer warriors. So okay. I, we believe in the power of prayer. So. Wow. So you, you've you got an international community that's, yes. that's surrounding you in that regard. That is very powerful. You are, you are now in the midst of your treatment, and again, I'm assuming you're doing well. Good to see you in that regard. You look healthy and happy, and I think currently your state, you you know, you're without you know one hey. of the major parts of of your body. Let's talk about that and that experience, and and maybe even some of the emotion was, that went with that. Yeah, I was very emotional with my hair, even when I hadn't lost it. When they told me that I was going to lose it, because it's not something that you choose to do if it was a choice it would be different Mm -hmm. it's because of the chemo that you lose your hair so i was extremely emotional with it and it was definitely something that i cried about but hair is hair it's something that's gonna grow back it's not something that's permanent so hair is hair but let let me tell you what i know as a man that's been (laughs) married to a wife hair is really important to women why Let's 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 have a real honest conversation because this is not about the perception, nor are you being judged. I'd I'd really like to dig into what what is the real depth of that from your perspective of why that is so important to you or to women in general from your perspective. To be honest, I'm not exactly sure. It's something that I've always had that I've always remembered having. Okay. So it's something that you accessorize. That mm-hmm. it's just you get comfortable with it, and it's not. It's like. Being at home, when you sleep out and you're not in your bed, you're uncomfortable. So not having your hair is something that you've had for years, and it's something that's not 
by choice, you're uncomfortable not having it. You're uncomfortable with the way that you look because you're not used to seeing yourself in that way. So with that being said, but what I have, what I am noticing is you don't have a hairpiece, a wig, a scarf, or a hat on. Yeah. You've chosen to go public with that. How important and how empowering has that been to do that? Very empowering because it shows that although I'm going through this trial, I'm not letting it break me down. Okay. And so it's, it's, is, it, is it a statement for you to basically say publicly, I'm moving through this. I'm proceeding. I'm moving on. Yes, it is. That message for you is that you want people to know that? You want people to feel that from you? Is that what you're saying? I do, and I want people to question me why. Let's talk about that. Let me give you a story. I knew a lady I supported many, many years ago from Louisiana who stopped wearing her wig and went to a grocery store purposefully. And she basically wanted people to engage her. She did it for the engagement. And she said that she started a grocery store ministry to Mm -hmm. talk to people about her faith because cancer was a way for her to introduce her faith to people. Why is it that you want people to stop you and, and engage you about not having your hair? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Well, it was, it has to go back to my original prayer that I wanted my testimony to humble hearts for the Lord. And I feel like in that way, I can touch a lot of people with my testimony, not just in a faith base, but other cancer patients to know that they're not alone. Because sometimes as a cancer patient, you feel like the people around you, because they're not going through it, they don't understand. Okay. So in that aspect, I feel like it's something that is not just spiritually, but as a cancer patient, people can relate and can be touched by my story. It's very powerful. I mean, it really is because, again, I, I and I tease my wife often if I say, Lord, whatever you do to my wife, never let her lose her hair because <laughs> of the time and energy and what that means to her. And I mean that very respectfully. To then shift gears to the position that you've just stated is a very profound thing that I think many women listening right now is probably going to be inspired to hear from you. What's the big spiritual takeaway that you've gleaned with this experience that you want to leave with the audience today? That you're never alone. God is always with you and provides you the strength and the people and the resources to handle um, not just cancer, but any trial that you have in your life. You've alluded to it twice. I'm going to put you on the spot and I didn't prep you for this. The original prayer that you prayed. Mm -hmm. Can you pray that right now? It doesn't have to be exact word for word. Can you give that prayer right now? Yes. Would you do it? Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've provided me. I know that the road that I have ahead of me is one that I'm scared to be on, but give me the strength and the peace to handle what lies ahead. And may you continue working in my life and let my testimony humble hearts for you, Lord. Thank you today for reciting and sharing that. Somebody's going to be blessed by that. I was blessed by that. Continue to be well, continue to be healthy, and remember that the best is still yet to come in your life. Thank you. Percy, what an incredibly mature young person to go through such a terrible thing. And again, we need to remember she was 23 years of age when she was diagnosed originally. So she was terribly young. And her prayer is so meaningful. And understanding not only the usage of prayer, the power of prayer and the tool of prayer, but the purpose of what she wanted her prayer, her testimony to do in terms of affecting people was extremely mature and developed. 
Well, I'm so glad that we got to meet Jax here today on the program Health, Hope, and Inspiration. If you want to make sure that you never miss one of these programs, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can do that directly on iTunes, or an easy way is to just go to our website and follow the links there. Go to healthhopeandinspiration.com. With hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa, Cancer Treatment Centers of America takes an integrative approach to cancer care. They use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support when desired by the patient. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Percy, we're talking today about prayer making a difference. This young lady we heard from today knows that prayer makes a difference. She did. She had the presence of mind and insight to know that prayer was a tool by way of giving her access and connection to God and engaging uh, the power of God and the faith and the hope of God. And again, I want to remind the audience again at 23 years of age, very young, and not that someone that age does not understand that, but by and large may not be as focused around that spiritual resource sure. as, as some may be when they become a little bit older. But she really emphasized how prayer was a uh, a tool that she relied upon and utilized quite a bit through her entire process. I know as you have uh, visited with many people on a cancer journey, you never pray for them without their permission to pray for them. But it does make a huge difference. Absolutely. Well, and one of the reasons, here's the key principle of why that's an important thing to understand, because prayer is not necessarily as effective as it can or should be unless the person is, is engaged with the prayer, that they're, that they're open to the idea of prayer. There certainly is intercessory prayer where we can pray for individuals who are not aware that we're praying for them. But when you're in a one-on-one engaged situation, you really should ask for permission and allow you to enter into their their sense of being with, with prayer that they are open and receptive to and that they are a partner with. I think that's very important. The Word of God tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we need to have some, some agreement and some uh, joining together. So we need to ask for that permission and, and, and make sure that we get the buy-in of that individual. But once we're able to do that, obviously, then prayer becomes a magnificent, powerful resource that we can access whenever we need it and however often we should use it. I would imagine there's been very few occasions when someone has declined to be prayed for. Well, I'll say this. You know, again, I've had a, a pretty long story career uh, which is a simple way of saying I'm old at this point <laughs> is that, but I certainly have had over the years individuals who have declined to have prayer. And, and I think it's out of fear in some cases. I think it's out of a lack of confidence and trust in the relationship. Uh, so there have been times that that has happened, but ironically, once you build a relationship with that individual, if you have the opportunity to do so, 
in many cases, they will allow you to circle back at another time and then pray, pray with them and for them. Prayers are a very intimate thing if you yeah, really sit and sure. think about it. So, again, we should not just juxtapose that people just want you to just walk up and just start praying over them. And I've seen people violate, I think, the privacy and the intimacy of one's spiritual soul, if you will, by interjecting prayer upon someone who may not just be ready for that for several reasons. So it's a very interesting, intimate relationship. That's such a good reminder. It really is. It helps us know how to pray. Of course, we can always pray for someone. Absolutely. But praying with them is a little different. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that wisdom with us today. And it's a partnership. And I think if we look at it and understand it from that perspective, even when we go through the the, the Gospels, we never saw Jesus just arbitrarily just start praying over a person. He, He created rapport relationship with them. And I think that that will allow our prayers to have a more effective dynamic with that individual on a visceral level as they engage and experience that with you. Prayer is a mystery, of course, and healing is often a mystery. I'm sure you've had answers that go many different directions to prayer. Well, again, we've talked about it on previous shows here, and I've learned over the years coming from a particular uh, theological background that primarily focused on divine healing and dynamic healing. Uh, I've learned that there are different layers and applications and aspects of healing that take place in very different ways. And we need not to have a, uh, a all or nothing proposition around the concept of healing. Obviously, the goal is to, to have the elimination of sickness and disease, uh, whether that's in a miraculous way or through medicine and science or a combination thereof. But there are other elements and dynamics of healing that can take place, mental, emotional, uh, relational, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and we need not to overlook that or downplay those types of healings that occur in people's lives and recognize them as also being part of the picture of healing in its context. When it comes to prayer or any act of compassion towards those who are going on a cancer journey, uh, this this resource that you've put together, Seven Things You Should Know About Cancer, can really help. Let me run through them real quickly. Sure. Number one, cancer affects all types of people. Number two, practical ministry can have benefits. Number three, spiritual needs can vary with each individual, so be sensitive, just as we were talking about mm-hmm. just now. Number four, cancer can be a journey. Be present as much as possible. Five, caregivers need support, too, and we've done whole programs on that topic. Number six, others want to be involved. And then number seven, you need to plan and protect your time, even as you reach out to others. These are very practical principles. There's nothing earth shattering here. There's not rocket science here. A lot of times we tend to approach uh, support cancer and other dynamics, and we make it very complicated. These are very simple principles, but important principles to understand in their place. So again, this resource will help people to think simply about practical ways of things that they should be aware of when individuals are dealing with cancer. And I know I ran through those quickly, but if you'd like a printed version of the seven things you should know about cancer, log on to healthhopeandinspiration.com, download this free resource. You can print as many copies as you like. You can share the resource with others, share the link with with others as well. And at the same time, you can subscribe to our podcast at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Will you open with a very meaningful passage of scripture today? Can we return to that for a moment? 
First James, the fifth chapter, verses 13, 14, and 15. These things have I written unto you, that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And to tie into the idea of the power of prayer, verse 14. And this is the confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Talking about prayer, communication, and engaging with God. Prayer makes a difference. One more time, go to our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Download seven things you should know about cancer. Subscribe to the podcast and then do us a favor. Make sure that others in your life know about this podcast. Health, Hope, and Inspiration. It's all available, past programs available as well, at healthhopeandinspiration.com. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Reverend Percy McRae. Percy, great to be with you as always. Looking ahead to next time. Peace and blessings. Go forth and be all that God has called you to be. Thank you, my friend. You have been listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.